as much as I loved my HR roles and hopefully the value added to the businesses that I worked in, for me, it always felt a little bit like I was in the back seat. Today on the Happy Workplace Project, we're joined by Ryan McColl, Transformation Lead at Boots. He shares with us why creating an inclusive workplace is so important to him personally, what role trust, honesty and passion play in driving his performance, and why it's so important for men to be able to share and talk about their mental health issues and struggles. Enjoy the episode. Morning, Ryan. Thanks so much for joining us on the Happy Workplace Project. I'm really excited about our conversation today because I think you come from a very unique position, having had a career that spans over 18 years across multiple sectors, starting out in HR and more recently moving out of HR into a commercial role. I'm hoping that there'll be some superb insights today. So I wondered if we could start by getting a flavour of your background and what it is that you're doing today with Boots. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Thank you, Darius. And thanks for having me today. Yeah. Great to mm -hmm. be here. So yeah, 17 years across a bunch of different sectors. Got into HR at the end of my degree. I read English at university. My cousin was an HR manager. She said, come along and do some voluntary work at the organisation she worked in and just loved it from there, the fact that you could influence a business. So yeah, worked through Rolls-Royce, a bunch of different organisations, spent five years at Experian and primarily then moved up through different leadership roles. My passion was always HR business partnering and organisational design. And then, yeah, that led me into moving eventually to Boots nearly six years ago into a HR capacity there. And then about 18 months ago, I stepped out of HR, made the leap and moved into a commercial senior programmes role and uh, transformation role, and that's what I've been doing for the last 18 months. So how did that come about? Because for all of the years that I've worked as an HR recruiter, <clears throat> I can't recall a time when I've met somebody that's moved into that type of role from that type of background. It was something that I had planned for a couple of years, and I was fortunate enough to be sponsored to do my exec MBA through Boots as an apprentice. And I think in sort of exploring that and thinking about what I wanted to do at the end of that, that was my kind of spark to be brave and take the leap. I think the other thing as well is, you know, COVID was a time for everyone where they reflected and took stock of where they were in their careers and, and their life. And for me at that point, I thought, well, if not now, then, then when? And I knew I was sort of halfway through my studies at that point. So I thought it was kind of time to you're going to make a move. So I think that was it. I wanted to, as much as I loved my HR roles and, and hopefully the value added to the businesses that I worked in, for me, it always felt a little bit like I was in the back seat, kind of commentating from the back seat as opposed to driving up front and steering up front. So for that reason, particularly, I explored a new career path, Fantastic. a career pivot. Yeah, yeah, and that is the, the word of 2022 and, and beyond, isn't it, the pivot? Could you talk to us a bit about Boots? Because I know there's so much more than meets the eye with the organisation. And I wondered, once you've done that in terms of setting the scene, whether you could give us some insight into the culture, i.e. how you describe the culture at Boots. So tell us a bit about the business. I think, you know, primarily you've got a beauty business and then you've got your healthcare business. So they're kind of two, two key parts to it. So on the one hand, from pharmacies and 
providing care and support across, you know, 2,000 stores up and down the country. And to the other hand, you know, really exciting time in the business in terms of opening new beauty stores and halls and developing that side of the business. So, yeah, multiple career paths for people. You know, I work over in the head office here in Nottingham, got about 2,000 staff in the head office here with, with all the kind of classic support central roles on offer. So it's recent sort of strap line is with you for life and you know if you look at all the life moments that people move through you know boots boots can be there for you there's products there there's support and especially in this time where you know nhs services are stretched then you know you can't get a doctor's appointment you ring up you might have to wait two weeks so you know what one of the things we're focusing at boots is really looking at the kind of overall holistic health uh, market and supporting people through those life moments from sort of cradle to grave really yeah great great sort of purpose as a business 173 year old business so that that always feels slightly intimidating but also exciting that you're kind of trying to steer this this big ship along so then maybe moving into the culture part of the second part of your question there i think you know as well boots is owned by walgreens over in the us so you've got this global business with 300 thousand people and so for me, when I was thinking about this question up front, it's around, you know, there's sort of, there's a, there's a global feel to the business. And, but then secondly to that, there is a, I think there's sort of almost subcultures within cultures. So, you know, there's definitely a culture within the head office there in Nottingham that would be far different to if you worked in a store, you know, or you're a pharmacist. So I think then probably within functions, there's probably a, a, a subculture to that. And I think one of the things that comes across all those cultures is culture of care, compassion, wanting to do the right thing, gen- genuinely wanting to do the right things by our customers. And then I think as well, the leaders set a lot of the culture as well. Leaders will influence that that local culture. So yeah, loads of different facets. I don't think you could just put, put well, I certainly couldn't anyway, just pinpoint one element and say, that's the boots culture as such. But there's definitely core values and behaviors that I would say might not always be written down, but underpin everything that we do. So you mentioned the caring approach that Boots has there. Could you talk to us a little bit about how that plays out when it comes to developing people's careers within the business? We've been really proactive around the apprenticeships and putting people through a number of different degrees and programmes there that we can be really proud of. I'm testament to that. So I went back to school to do my exec MBA. And so I think if you have a passion to develop, then Boots is a great place to do that because as well as the supporting environment, there are definitely opportunities for professional development. But in addition, you've got a brilliant business where you've got a number of different career paths to explore. And as you build your relationships in the business and understand more about how different areas work, there's definitely opportunities to sort of progress your career and try different things. And I think for that reason, it's why so many people stay so long in the business because you know you might go crikey i couldn't imagine being in a business 25 years but actually when you talk to people who've been in the business for such a long time you understand they might have had four or five sort of almost careers within their career so it's uh, you know i started off in the customer service role i then got into a head office role in procurement for example i then went from there into supply chain and so i think one of the beauties of a larger organisation is exactly that, the opportunity to develop your career within the same business. And I know 
from an organisational purpose perspective, Boots is really keen to enhance people's lives through health and wellness. What does it do for its employees under that umbrella? Yes, I think I think there's a number of things that the business does, you know, as well as the usual sort of employee perks, perks at work kind of stuff, an employee benefit scheme, you know, we've got employee assistance programmes and these kind of things. But I think there's probably an extra focus around practising what you preach. And so, yeah, just a number of things that we've put on probably since COVID as well. So, you know, moving to a hybrid working. Typically, you know, we'd ask our staff to be in the office three days and two two from home. So I think the business has moved on in terms of understanding as well how people expect and want to manage their work life going forward now and, and giving people the space and time to kind of work that through as adults for themselves. So look, a bunch of kind of your traditional programs and support but as well, I think it's focus on, you know, leadership training and supporting managers to be better leaders to help people through, you know, challenging life events, you know. So it's so a great point that as well, because I think something that has become really prevalent is pre-COVID managers were used to setting tasks with people in their physical proximity. And now there does need to be that shift. So it's fantastic to hear that the investment is going into managers because, what is required is a dial-up of the EQ piece. You know, you've mentioned it there that people are having a wider set of challenges to deal with. People require more support in their lives as a whole. People want to be viewed as people, not as employees. Um, So super refreshing to hear. I wondered if we could delve into the values of the organisation a little bit and whether you could bring those to life. So I think there are four Cs. Courageous, connected, committed and curious. What do they mean to you and how do they live within the business? Yeah, look, it's an interesting one because they're relatively new from a WBA level, so a global Walgreens Boots Alliance level. They're, they're global values. And so I'm always a bit curious around how, you know, if someone tells you your values yeah. as opposed to just how you go about your business day by day. But actually, w- when these came in about a year, 18 months ago, the business done a whole bunch of work involving leaders and store colleagues, you know, right across the organisation in scoping those values and say, well, look, rather than us tell you as a, a senior leadership team, how would you describe our culture? How would you describe our values? And so, you know, these four kind of C's is obviously quite catchy, memorable, you know, great. But I think, you know, when I saw the evolution of the words and the kind of playbacks and discussion forums that the the business put on through that time to kind of scope that in, it, it was, I hadn't seen that done before, genuinely in that kind of in-depth way a business. I've seen it done where it's his values, go and live them. This is how we want to run it, you know, say it and it'll be so. And, and then and the actually, business wonders why they don't resonate with people. Exactly, exactly. So I think, you know, even if you hadn't written down those four words and kind of built a vision kind of strategy around it, they would probably be words you would use. If you, if you walked into any of our stores and you tried to observe what was going on, these are kind of words you definitely would see care. You know, so, so these are the kind of words that we do. But yeah, interesting, really interesting. I know that Boots is huge when it comes to advocating the importance of diversity and inclusion. And I know that this is something that is really passionate for you as well. So perhaps you could tell us a bit about what the business is doing and what you're doing within the business to help to help bring that to the forefront. Oh, I've seen certainly in the support office in, in, in Boots is around 
really pushing forwards our business resource groups. And so I'm a member of four different resource groups in our business. Try and be as proactive as I can in all, all, all those groups. The reason those things are important to me is a couple of things. So first of all, you know, in the terms of focusing on equity and using as allies our power to help other underrepresented groups in the, in the organisation, in our workplace, in our culture, in our society, why would you not want to do that? Second one is a bit more close to home. So I've got two daughters. My eldest daughter is autistic. And so she's neurodiverse in how she sees the world and how she interacts with the world. So from a point of being a feminist, having daughters, one of which is autistic, and therefore I want to be able to do what I can do in, in, in the power that I have within the organisations I work to create more inclusive workspaces to give opportunities, hopefully afford my daughter an opportunity when she you know, finishes school and goes to work in the future. Because I think other than it just being the right thing to do, there's so much untapped potential that businesses could utilize much better through different adjustments in the workplace. So yeah, something I'm hugely passionate about. I'd like to pivot the conversation towards your leadership style. I wondered if you could define and explain that to us. I think being able to lead teams is one of the greatest privileges that you can you can have in a business and so i've had i've been fortunate to be able to do that through a number of different roles and so i would describe my leadership to people who work for me might say different but hopefully it would be consistent but i would describe my leadership style as a high challenge but with high support so uh you know i expect a lot from the teams i try and do my best to set them up for success so what is it we're trying to do when do we need to achieve it by? What help do you need to do that? How are you getting on check-ins? And then for me, when you create that environment where you trust people to do their jobs, you give them the skills to do their jobs, you're clear on what you're trying to do as a business and it has it has impact and they can see that impact, then more often than not, you, you, you will achieve success. Well, so I've found anyway. What would you say are your almost non-negotiable principles and or behaviours that you, that you live by and... and in, in a way, I suppose, expect of the people around you. Trust and integrity, first and foremost, above anything. You know, anyone who works for me, I'll trust you fully until you sort of give me reason not to. So that would be different conversations, but I think honesty in there as well. And, you know, someone who's passionate about learning their craft and their trade and, and trying to be the best they can be and maybe just trying to be a bit better tomorrow than they were today. And I've struggled with that because sometimes people, do, you know, you know what the honest conversation you have is, I just want to do my job and go home. And that's, that's fine as well. But there's something there about when I see talent in individuals, I want them to, to develop that and be the best that, that they can be in, that, in, in whatever that skill is. So I think, yeah, those are definitely the things. We, you know, one of the exercises I do with teams is, you know, give them a list of like 80 values and sort of go, look, other values are available, but just as a prompt to thought, here's a list of values. And I get them to fold a piece of paper into eight little squares and say, right, write your top eight values. And then I go, right, scrub through three and leave five. Now, and the amount of people who overanalyze that, oh, but I'm leaving behind love, but I've got authenticity. And well, that's a bit like that. And it's like, and, and, and then someone's, and then most of the time the teams will go, well, do you mean at home or at work? And I'll go, oh, they're different. Do you, do you leave your values by the door See when you come into the corporate yeah. world? And they go, all oh, right, I'm like, just stop overthinking it. Just write it down. And so, you know, even things like humour, 
is really important to me. Like, you know, you work hard, you spend a lot of time at work, you know, at the end of the day, it's just business. More important things, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And whilst it's great that, you know, if we're doing pharmacy or we're genuinely changing lives, we're also selling perfume. Mm. So, you know, on the flip side of it, I've worked in private healthcare settings and that keeps me grounded in the sense that, you know, I've worked in some really, really challenging situations where if things go wrong, then someone could die. Mm. Whereas, you know, if I don't price the bottle of a, a Chanel correctly and I don't make as much money as I hope to make, then I can price it differently next week. So <laughs> it's quite the con. So I think just keeping grounded is, is one of those things that's important. Your career has spanned multiple sectors. It's risen quickly. You've obviously moved out of HR, as we spoke about earlier. Could you tell us a bit about the sacrifices that have been made in order to get to where you've got to? When my daughters were quite young, I was away quite a lot. And whilst I don't necessarily sort of live my life with regrets, I would have liked to have been around a bit more now. You know, when you see the kind of post-COVID hybrid way that we've now got working, yeah. uh, that just didn't exist 10, 10, 11 years ago. So I don't necessarily, I sort of flip that question a little bit. I don't really see it as sacrifice if you're working hard to achieve something. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you know that you're building towards something. When I did my MBA, I spent two and a half years practically locked in a room every weekend, right? Now, COVID was happening, so it wasn't like I could go out and socialise anyway. So maybe that was, a, in a funny, weird way, a blessing in disguise. But what, what drove me on is, 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 is a couple of things. Is, first of all, I think the opportunity of an education is a real gift. It's a real gift. And, you know, my background, working class, my parents are Irish, came to this country with nothing absolutely nothing rose a family and you know my mum she's not with us anymore but her her drive was if you can get an education get an education so for boots to sponsor me to do my executive mba that was such a gift that there was nothing in this world that would stop me from completing that so if i had to sit in a dark room reading books on corporate law for three hours on a sunday that's what i did so they were sacrificed because i was studying not spending time with my family but it made me super efficient about, right, when I'm studying, I'm studying. When I'm with my family, I'm with my mm. family. So, Is there anything that right. you, looking back with hindsight, would have done differently then? Because obviously you mentioned that time pressure there. I left Experian chasing money. Wow. So I had an old boss who tapped me on the shoulder. Right, I'm working for this education business in you know, Burton-upon-Trent could be an opportunity and, you know, oh, I'm not sure. Right. But I went for it. And then I guess you could say all experiences are learning experiences. So from, from there, you know, I did two and a half years. It was, it was an education business through Europe. So I got to travel a bit, see a bit of Europe. They had international schools across Europe. But then it led on to my next job, which was a consultancy job. And I was traveling around the country a lot and I was away a lot from when my first daughter was born. So in hindsight, I probably wouldn't have made those mo that, that move, mm. probably, if I had my time again. Could you describe your relationship with your well-being and what you do to protect and optimise it? I can. It's not perfect, would be my first response. Yeah. You know, I'm kind of working through a couple of things at home with my family that are really challenging at the mm -hmm. moment. And so it is a core focus for me in terms of what can I do within my control mm -hmm. to keep a balance. You know, one of the things I'm a big fan of is fresh air, 
you know, getting some exercise, whether it's, you know, fortunate that we've got a, a work gym that we can use at a subsidised rate, but also just reaching out for some help and spending time to talk with friends or colleagues or just having a human connection, just checking in on folks. What I found myself doing in recent times is almost playing back the same advice that for 17 years when I worked in HR, that if I was helping someone else in a situation, what, what would I say to them? And one thing I wouldn't be saying to them is, why don't you beat yourself up? Why don't you give yourself a hard time? Why don't you sort of say, well, you could do this and you could do that? It's just pointless. So I do think, you know, particularly males, we're not necessarily renowned for being great at talking about our mental health and our mental well-being. I think, I think I'd like to help change that. And so, you know, I've done a couple of things through work where, for example, we have an employee assistance program. And a couple of years ago, when my daughter was first diagnosed as autistic, mm -hmm. I, I was struggling a bit at that time because what was happening was I was spiraling into what if, what if, what if, what if. And it's a total waste of mental energy because I was working through one of 15 million different outcomes that could happen in my daughter's life, none of which I know to be true. Mm. And all you can do is live in, in today. One of the books I read at that time would definitely recommend is Mo Gordat's Soul for Happy. Okay. And, you know, through previous, Mo was a senior leader at Google and he sort of studied through tragic situation in his own life about what, what is the equation for happiness? What, what do you need to do to solve happiness? And one of the things that I've talked to different teams and talked openly about is going, right, we spend a lot of our time in life in two states. One is the old looking back, what if and regret which is a total waste of time because it's happened. I can't change that. The other thing is worrying about what might happen in the future. So we're either looking back or we're looking forward. And one of the things that, that I was kind of sticking in my head that Mo Godat talks about in that book is about when you're in the here and now, everything's okay. So right here in this conversation, we're just two blokes talking and everything's fine in the world. We're just having a, a great conversation. And so just, just trying to keep that balance and noticing when, when you're either doing the look back, can't control it, or look forward thing. Like just, just try and ground yourself back in and go, right, right now, right here, I'm having a great conversation, I'm having a cup of coffee, it's fine. Just, just helps just reset. What about Boots? What does Boots do to protect and optimise the wellbeing of its people? You know, there's a bunch of things I've touched on a little bit there in terms of, you know, the typical employee assistance programme. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things that the HR director does is a monthly vlog and the CEO will do a, a, a weekly discussion and often that finishes, that vlog finishes with a question on mental health. So what have you done this week to support your mental health? Oh, I went out for a walk or I spent a bit of time to take the dog out, da da da. So I think, you know, it's been quite refreshing seeing, hearing senior leaders talk about mental health. So that's a little practical thing. So I think then it's encouraging in local conversations as well, checking in on people. How, how are you doing? How are you doing? Like the old classic ask twice. Yeah. Uh, how are you really doing? Yeah, I'm fine. So I think it's nothing groundbreaking in that regard. But, you know, we go back to the core values and like care and compassion. Like that, that's just that's just our teams are, you know, great in that regard at, at actually checking in. And then I think on the other side of it is then going... It's one thing when someone opens up, but if you then go, well, that's all great, but if you could just crack on and finish that job I gave you two weeks ago, that would be, that'd be brilliant. So it's then the follow-on care and support, 
So I'm sorry you're struggling with X, Y, Z. Is there anything I can do to support with you? So I think it comes down to leadership as well. So I could see in my life that the first few months of 2023 were going to be really difficult for, for personal situations at home. So I was proactive. I felt, you know, maybe back to the conversation we had earlier about psychological safety, great relationship with my boss. I felt I could pick up the phone and say, listen, I think things are going to get quite tough in the next few months. I might need a bit of time out, just whether to, you know, attend different appointments, support my family. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, fine. Do we need to do? Thanks for telling me. Appreciate you letting me know. If there's anything I can do, let me know. And just, just feeling I could have that conversation as one, and then just hearing my boss say, "I'm sorry, you're struggling. Thanks for telling me. What do you need?" It was like a ton of weight off my shoulders. Can only imagine. Yeah. Because even though I, I, I hoped, having worked with that person for a couple of years, that they would be, I believed that they would be supportive. I still was petrified to have that conversation, and I didn't need to be. So I'm glad I had it. Because then, you know, it's like, right, it's one less thing, not that I don't worry about work, but work in the context of my life suddenly becomes a bit less important in sense, or, or the things that might make you worry is a bit less trivial. I'll just step away from that, I'll come back to that. It's, you know, that, that email or that incident or someone spinning around over here for no apparent reason about some other objective. And it's like, I'll come back to that. So you've just shared some fantastic insights there. Could we, look at your career and think about the greatest lesson that you've learned from it so far. I think it would be really powerful to be able to give the listeners something to take away and uh, potentially utilise themselves. I remember working with a few different client groups and for whatever reason, just struggling to sort of cut through with that client group and, and make an impact and all my usual kind of jazz hands and tricks didn't quite, didn't, didn't seem to hit, hit, hit the mark. So I thought, oh, I must be doing something wrong. I must need to do something different. I remember talking to my leader at the time and she said to me, Ryan, never let anyone dim your light. Oh, I like that. Never let anyone dim your light because it might be too bright for some people, but that's not your issue. You know, keep doing you. Everyone else is taken. And so since that moment, probably three, four years ago, I am unapologetically me. Brilliant. And that might not be everyone's cup of tea and that's fine. But just wasting energy trying to please everyone is, is not for me. I think what comes with that is a real strong sense that people can see you being authentic as well, which is so powerful when it comes to building trust within teams and getting things done for the organisation. So keep keep going down that route. <laughs> and look, and I think consistency is underrated as well. Just showing up mm. every day, trying to do your best. Doesn't have to be spectacular. You're not going to be on top form every single day, but just being consistent. I think that's important. People struggle when they work for leaders. One moment, they're top of the world. Next minute, it's micromanagement. Hang on a sec. Which leader's going to show up today? Show up, be consistent, be yourself. That's what I try and do anyway. Great insight. So Ryan, taking a future focus, what are the subjects that you think schools should be teaching students about today? I think we seem to have lost the ability a little bit to listen and critically challenge so you know if we think about the twitter world we live in for example it's either this is right or that's wrong that's great that's rubbish we don't spend enough time i think trying to understand well how why is it you see the world like that what what is it that makes you see that view and have you ever considered a different perspective or just just genuinely asking questions to learn as opposed to being quick to put in your 
might be limited view on the world in such a set way. So I think those kind of critical discussion points, debating skills, these kind of things, I think definitely we could help with that. I think that's so important, actually, because if you think about operating at any level within an organisation, there is always a piece around the ability to influence, the ability to be able to take feedback on, and the ability to be able to demonstrate that you're improving. And I guess, you know, one of the one of the things that I see with the education system is you are potentially right or wrong. You've either answered the question correctly or you haven't. There's no real space for greyness, if you like. And unfortunately, the world that we operate in now is volatile, uncertain, complex and ambiguous, to use the VUCA phrase. So I think that's a fantastic insight. What's your ultimate life goal? Be happy from a personal point. Be content. From a work point, I'm working to be a CEO. Oh, wow. So I started saying that out loud about two years ago. Yeah. And so... Manifestation and all that. So yeah, I've got a 10-year 10, 10 development plan behind the scenes. I'm two years into that. The first two years was get my MBA and move out of HR. So tick there. So yeah, from a workplace, it's that. How exciting. Are you happy? Very. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, I'm pursuing what I want to do in my career. I can see some progress and I was brave enough to take a take a jump. But again, you know, when you weigh it all up, you go, well, what's the worst can happen? You know, again, you know, what's the worst can happen? Well, if it doesn't work out, I'll, you know, hopefully I've got enough experience. I'm still paying my CIPD subs to go and knock on someone's door and say, hey, do you need a senior HR person to help me out? And so, yeah, nothing ventured, nothing gains, right? And let's say this plan plays out. I'm sure it will. What would you like to be remembered by when the work life is done? One of my favourite, if not favourite, quotes of all time is a lady called Maya Angelou. And what she says is, people won't remember what you said and what you did. They'll remember how you made them feel. Mm. And so I guess ultimately I want the people I've worked with to feel like they did their best work, they were happy and they made a difference. And then family, I mean, that's obviously close to home even still but just that I was a good dad a good husband tried my best and helped help them be happy that's 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 it love it so we're on to our quick fire round Ryan the first question is what's something you've achieved that you're proud of my executive MBA during COVID how did you react to your greatest failure hard work and drive what's something you regret and what would you have done differently? Yeah, so I don't really live my life with regrets, but I regret a couple of career moves I've made chasing money. And what would you have done differently? Probably done a bit more homework before I took that decision to jump roles. <laughs> What's the biggest challenge your business is facing right now? I would say cost of living in a retail environment and managing that, and probably retention of specialist professional staff. What do you like most about yourself? I would say being unapologetically me. And what's your biggest area of development? Sometimes I can be too trusting in people. Oh, love that. Love that. I actually see myself in that. I've been burnt over the years. Tell us about something that you're passionate about. So it would be creating a fairer, more equitable corporate workplace. What's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Never let anyone dim your light. 
What's one book or podcast you'd recommend for our viewers? I appreciate you've name dropped a few already. I would say the High Performance Podcast by Professor Damien Hughes and Jake Humphreys. Brilliant. Ryan, that's us done for today. Thank you so much for all of the insights. It's been great speaking to you. Thanks for having me. Remember to like and subscribe and to share this episode with your friends and colleagues. Thanks for listening. See you all soon.